This is the best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less. Ever wish you could re-listen to your favorite interview or segment? Do you enjoy hearing older shows for the first time in years? Then the best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less is just what you need. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to the best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less. Today's show is being brought to you by Crawford's Barbecue. Crawford's Barbecue is bringing great barbecue products to pitmasters and kings of the cul-de-sac alike. Find out more, head over to crawfordsbbq.com. Today's Best Moments was pulled from March 4th of 2014. The good doctor Ray Lampy is in talking things from burger to chicken. The second segment, Michael O'Donnell, founder of Cave Tools Barbecue and Grilling Accessories. Let's get right to it. Here's Greg with his guests from March 4th, 2014. Uh, this one coming in from a John in England. It says, Dr. Barbecue, let's say you were a judge at the UK's leading barbecue competition, and I think you are, and they decide to introduce a burger round. What would you be looking for in that burger? Clearly, a plain old cheeseburger isn't going to cut the pickle. So what makes an awesome barbecue burger, in your opinion? Well, I, I am a judge at that event. It's grill stock, and they have added a burger around, and I think it's a really good idea. Um, however, I judge the four main categories every year, so I may not be judging burger. But I'm going to tell you what I think. Yep. I had the pleasure of judging two in two very serious burger contests in the last six months. In uh, November, I was in Connecticut, and I was judging uh, – a serious burger throwdown with a bunch of restaurants with guys like Graham Elliott and Michael Salakis and me and Duff and, and Richard Blaze. It was cool. If you see that picture I've been putting on my website, that was we just got done judging the burger contest. Now, I'm going to tell you, there was a lot of different burgers came our way. One was like a, a big burger with a mudslide of macaroni and cheese on it. Well, you know, looked really cool, really cool idea. Nice thing to have on your menu of your food truck. It was a food truck guy. But it eating it sucked you couldn't really eat it you know it's a contest i'm going to take a couple bites i had to dig through the mac and cheese to try and get a hunk of the burger not a cool idea things it seems like a really good idea but to a a, a serious contest person that was really a bad idea and then some guys wanted they take a big fat burger and then put sauce and tomato and lettuce and and over you know just stack one thing on top of another and it's so big you can't hardly eat it it's kind of a mudslide again and and then came along a Shake Shack burger, if you know what that is, from New York. Very simple cheeseburger on a, one of them Martin's hamburger buns, them yellowish hamburger buns. Yep. A nice little burger and a slice of tomato on it and some cheese and a little piece of lettuce. Excellent burger. Now, who doesn't like that? That thing scored well. But then came three little sliders on a tower. They actually took, you know, the little skewers that you put the checks on at a restaurant up by the register. They yep. took that thing and they stacked the three sliders and they just kind of looked like they were stacked together. It was really a great presentation. And it was a simple burger. It had like some kind of white cheese, like Gouda or something on it. And that was it. No sauce or anything. But it was kick-ass meat, a really nice bun that they had made, and it was cooked perfectly. And this burger didn't eat anything and it won and it was unanimous. Every Everybody at the table, and think about the guys I just mentioned, we're not impressed by these fancy sauces and the big mudslide burger, and that thing won. 
And, and I, to this day, think it was it deserved to win. It absolutely should have won. Maybe the Shake Shack Burger gave it a run because it had a little lettuce and tomato. Then I was at the World Food Championships, and I judged the final 10 burgers. And I did not see any burgers like that at all. And, man, I wish I would have. Every one of those burgers was really stacked up with stuff. And they're beautiful burgers. In my head, man, a little bit simpler burger is a really good idea. Uh, let me go over to Facebook here real quick, uh, Ray, and uh, answer a question for Buddy Burke. And he's saying, might be good to talk about, to the beginners, about building a charcoal stack for, like, smaller smokers, maybe like a, an Oklahoma Joe or maybe even like a, a Weber Smoky Mountain or some of those more popular beginner models. Well, I already answered that one, Greg. I told the guy to buy a big green egg. Oddly <laughs> enough. Problems. But I don't know why you're bringing that one up again, but thanks. Um, oh, gosh, I don't know, man. Come on. You don't know how to start a fire. I, I, I You know, you want to burn it on an offset. In my mind, put some charcoal on there and get it started. I, I'm not a fan of using lighter fluid like Myron does, but that, that's going to be long gone by the time any food goes on there. Start with some charcoal. Get a little base going and then put wood on as you need. If you've got a little offset, don't try to cook with all wood. It'll be really bad. Uh, the, you know, we all went through that. I did it when I had my first little offset. Uh, I think I think it's one of those things that guys want to somehow be verified. I get it with big green egg guys a lot. They buy their egg. They've been cooking on it for five years. You know their food's good. They know what they're doing. But they somehow want, to, want me to show them how to put the fire starter wax thing down in the charcoal and light it. So come on, man. Get off of that. You know how to build a fire. Yeah, that's right, man. Just build your freaking fire. You know what I say? Uh, go to the Harbor Freight nearest to you and buy a, a, a weed torch, hook yeah, it up to your 20-pound yeah. bottle, and just let it hum for about three or four minutes, and you're ready to go. Yeah, I think that's a great yeah. idea. Takes all but the guesswork. Don't be afraid to use charcoal. You know, man, a, a handful of Kingsford briquettes, it, it, I, that stuff's fine. More barbecue gets cooked on that than any piece of wood you could imagine. And the guys on the internet want to get all fired up that it's bad stuff or something. You know, I don't like the stuff that's a pre-soaked, but don't be afraid to throw a little charcoal in there and get a little base of coals going. Ray Lampy joining us here on the show. Uh, Ray, next question coming in from Jeff Starks. Uh, and this, I guess, is going to be more of a competition question. And it's uh, about the ever trying to it's like the holy grail of chicken which is this uh, bite through skin and he says that he believes the judges should be grading on the meat uh on taste and tenderness and appearance not necessarily about the skin and i know there's a whole you know conundrum and arguments that have taken place literally for uh, hundreds of years about uh, should the skin be included in that should it not be included in it uh where do you come out on that as uh, both a, a competitor and and sometimes a judge well, it, I've seen the evolution of this over the years. Uh, I, I have, I only have one Jack Daniels jug in the cabinet, and it was for chicken. God, I don't know, you know, a hundred years ago. But I cooked drumsticks, and I cooked them in my Jed Master. I just cooked them like if I was going to eat them and turned them in. And back then, you could do that if it was cooked properly and it was good. You could win a trophy by cooking good barbecue chicken. But the nature of chicken in a smoker is that the skin gets leathery. I, you know, you can't argue with that. That's just how it is. It, it works that way. So then along came Jumpin' Jim with the whole, you know, the story, the, the chicken that the, he cooked in the butter in the pan and 
And actually, Jim didn't use the butter back then. But anyway, all this cooking in a pan, and then guys would try to finish it hot on the Weber and get that skin crunchy. Well, that's a really good idea until you try to do it. it. It's almost impossible to do, really. And then on top of it, once you put it in a box and it sits around for 15 minutes, it's not very crunchy anyway. So then it evolved to just making it soft and just poaching that shit till it's just mushy. And and I someone showed me how to do that. And and now I to this day I will do it if I'm cooking in a contest. It's repulsive, frankly, that the skin <laughs> is just like mush, and that's why it's bite through. But I, it seems to score well all the time. And and what's happened is this is definitely one of those things that the judges have been influenced by the cooks over the course of time. That bite through skin became such a big deal. Back in the day, it wasn't. Judges understood that when you cook chicken on a smoker, the meat's a little red and the skin's a little chewy. Just kind of taste the skin and move on and try the meat. Then somewhere along the way, we, well, we used to cook legs and breasts and wings too. Now everybody cooks thighs and they all have to be perfectly shaped and they have to have that bite through skin. And I think it's nonsense, frankly. Um, now, if, if you, if that makes your your eating enjoyment, having the skin be bite through and you can eat it, I can't tell you you shouldn't score that good. And if you don't like the skin to be rubbery and that bums you out, you, you every, have every right to score that down. But if you know anything about cooking chicken in the smoker, you know that the skin is not that edible. So it, it has to be a grilling contest for that to happen. So I, I'm not a fan of it. I, I wish we didn't have these these footprints like that that have to be met like the money muscle thing and and like the the chicken bite through skin nonsense and the thighs really um i wish we didn't have that stuff but it's taken a long time to evolve to that and and it's hard to break it and it's hard to tell those guys they're wrong to put in your request for a future show, please contact John Solberg via email at John, J-O-N, at the BBQCentralShow.com. Hey, before we get into the second segment, let me take a minute to tell you about Crawford's Barbecue Pit Spritz. Pit Spritz is all natural and gluten-free. Pit Spritz keeps your meat super moist during the cooking process. The peach Pit Spritz adds an amazing sweet peach taste to your barbecue. It's great on all meats, and it does exceptionally well with pork. All you need to do is screw the included trigger sprayer onto the 16 ounce bottle and you are ready to go. Crawford's Pit Spritz also works great as a wrapping liquid, helping you to bring your barbecue home. Get all the details on Crawford's Pit Spritz over at crawfordsbbq.com. Be sure you use the coupon code GREG at checkout for 10% off your entire order. That's GREG, G-R, E.G. Uh, my next guest tonight has a line of items he'll be talking about, so let's go ahead and head on over to the hotline and welcome from Cave Tools, Michael O'Donnell joining me here on the show. Michael, how are you, bud? Hey, Greg, how's it going? I'm doing absolutely fabulous. I'm not sure exactly what happened with my music tonight, but that's the story for a different day. Uh, Mike, you know, maybe a little background about yourself here before we get into the uh, the products and the whole website and so forth. Are you somebody that has uh, always been around the barbecue, around the grill? Is it something that you just kind of saw business opportunity in? Where are you at on that? Yeah, I mean, I definitely come from the business aspect of barbecue. Um, I'm a Penn State graduate, started my uh, – first company, a marketing agency when I was 22. And uh, for me, you know, mark, running the marketing agency is a great, uh, great company. We provide a lot of value to our customers. 
but I really wanted to get into physical products and, you know, I'm super passionate about uh, barbecue and grilling. So I decided to start cave tools, uh, last year in May is when we uh, launched our first product line. And that website, by the way, is mycavetools.com if you want to check it out, like mymycavetools.com while we're talking. Um, Michael, you know, from an outsider's perspective, that being me, it would seem that getting into the grilling and barbecue accessory market might be a little counterproductive. And I guess what I mean by that is there already seems to be at least 158 billion items to choose from. What did you see missing or lacking in the market that sparked your interest into moving forward? Yeah, uh, you know, we started out with our grill brush. That was our first product. And, you know, what I noticed in the grill brush was, you know, we do we do tons and tons of, uh, you know, customer feedback, reading negative reviews online before we ever launch a product. And with the grill brush, you know, people wanted a grill brush that had a 21-inch long handle so they wouldn't burn their hand when cleaning the grill, uh, stainless steel bristles that are safe for, you know, porcelain enamel, cast iron stainless steel grill grates. Uh, you know, the triangular design, uh, so you could reach all areas of the grill. So, you know, we do a lot of research uh, before we launch our products. And then for us, we, we really base our company around the value added. All right. So uh, aside from the grill brush, uh, Michael, maybe a little over a high level overview of the products that you have and, and what you think kind of sets these apart and, and makes them a good value in your position. Yeah, sure. Um, our second product, which is actually live right now, is our three-piece stainless steel grill set. Um, you know, with that product, we noticed that a lot of people want a really durable grill set that they're not going to have to buy a new one in a couple of years. Uh, the you know the market average stainless steel is normally 1.5 millimeters. We went with 1.8 millimeters. You know, make it stronger, make it 20% stronger than most of the other models out there. Uh, you know, you, you can see right there the spatula has a bottle opener in it, so you can keep your buzz going. Um, we also have a, uh, in the next couple of months, we have a lot of stuff coming out. So we have a digital cooking thermometer. Uh, that's a super quick read thermometer, four to six seconds. Uh, very accurate. It's recalibratable, uh, stainless steel. So it's shatterproof, waterproof. That's going to be an excellent product. I'm really excited for that. Are the uh, thermometers that you're looking at, are they uh, also uh, domestically manufactured or uh, maybe here's here's a better answer. Aside from the the uh, cooker that's 100% U.S. based, uh, are the other products uh, also U.S. made or are they uh, manufactured overseas? Yeah, um, when I started, uh, you know, like I said, I started with a grill brush, and I actually imported samples from China and I sent them out all over the U.S. to different uh, industrial brush manufacturing plants, trying to see if we could be made in the U.S.A. And you know, it really is a damn shame that. We're, it's it's almost impossible from a competitiveness standpoint. Yep. Um, so we do manufacture overseas in China for a couple of our other, other products. Um, but with that said, you know we have a lot of different quality control processes in place to really make sure that you know we're not making cheap products. Our whole brand is around premium products that are built to last. Do you get any like you know, internet blowback from people about where they're manufactured, or do you find that uh, people talk a good game in public, but when it comes time to buy, they really don't care? And uh, probably what pushes them towards one side or the other is the actual cost. Uh, bottom line, um, I think you know there's there's very few uh, barbecue products 
that are out there that are made in the USA. It's just very difficult. So at the end of the day, yeah, people are pissed off, right? I mean, we want to support America. But at the same time, when it comes time to pull out your credit card, are you going to spend five or seven extra dollars to be made in the USA? I mean, you know, luckily for us, we were able to start overseas and now we get to employ more people in the USA that we may never have been able to do if we didn't start overseas. I had some charcoal guys on last week, and I want to ask you the same question that I asked them. You know, obviously, you've put a lot of hard work into this business uh, just in the short time you've been in it. You know, is the goal really to build it out and continue to do the uh, the whole branding and product thing, kind of build that empire? And, and do you secretly hope that maybe a bigger company might come, pull out a checkbook, and, and stroke you a check so you can walk away? You know, at this point right now, we're really just focused on building the brand. We're getting a lot of uh, a lot of loyalty from our customers. We have people buying five, six products at a time and sending them to their friends. So we're really building that community right now. Uh, as a business person, yeah, I mean, that's your payday, right? So we'll see what happens down the line. But right now, I mean, we're just focused on building a, you know, a kick-ass barbecue brand. If I offered you $5 million to be tipped over in a porta potty, covered in poop, and become a quadriplegic, would you take that money? If I offered you $5 million to fuck a cow covered in jelly, would you do it? No. <laughs> I mean, yes. Of course I would. That was a ruse, though, right? Of course I would. That was the sto- that story was about me. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, Michael Donald joining me here on the show. Um, Mike, what's your favorite? I'm going to kind of diverge here a little bit, but you know, when you're outside and you're cooking, what I mean, what's some of the favorite stuff you like to cook outside? I I could eat steak every day and be a happy man. Um, you know, when I first kind of started my passion for grilling and then eventually barbecue, I, I was living in Montreal in 2012 for six months, and I live right down the street from a butcher. And I was there, I had to be there four or five times a week picking up steaks and growing them. Um, and, you know, I, I kind of rebranded myself as Michael Medium Rare O'Donnell. Uh, so, yeah, I'm a, I'm a steak guy through and through. Uh, but, you know, I love ribs. I love, you know, I'm a meat eater, right? I'm not, a, I'm not really a vegetable guy. Yeah, meat and potatoes. Um, so are, yeah. when it comes to the fuel on a cooker, are you charcoal guy? Or are you gas guy? Or are you wood only guy? Or are you a mixture of everything? And you know, whatever you got to cook in front of you, you'll use or what? Uh, I you know we I have a propane grill, gas grill, um, but I also have a charcoal grill, and I, I love cooking over lump charcoal. Um, you know, it's just yeah. I I don't know. Each each has its own uh, benefits, I guess. If you're if you're going quick. Uh, you know, I'll probably use a propane grill if I have a little more time on my hands, and then yeah, we'll use the charcoal. Do you think, and, and this is the argument that seems to rage on for the last six or seven hundred years, so why not uh, get your take on it as well? Do you think that the terms barbecue and grilling are mutually exclusive terms, or do you think that they're kind of all one and the same? Definitely, uh, I I forget what mutually exclusive. They're, they're two different terms. Uh, you know, grilling is, uh, you know, cooking it over the fire. And, and in, in my understanding, I consider barbecue and including all the smoking aspect and, and the different rubs and everything that you do in, in that sense. I mean, like I said, I'm trying to immerse myself into barbecue culture as it is now. So I'm learning every day. Um, but, you know, don't quote me on that. But 
That's how I see it. Well, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer anymore, and I was uh, a, a person who was very laser-focused on barbecue being one way and, and grilling being another way, and then over the years of the show and having many arguments with a guy named Meathead out in, Cal- or out, in Cal- out in Chicago, I've kind of swung around to this term uh, outdoor live fire cooking and just kind of throw everything into that basket and, and live with it that way instead of, you know, I guess, uh, I, I don't want to be a snob. Right? I, I want to be all-inclusive, and I want to bring everybody in. And the more people that I bring in, the better for you, the better people for me, the like your products, the better for me. I mean, it, we're all kind of living in this barbecue and grilling circle. So why would we want to piss anybody off and be like, ah, they're like the wine people? I mean, we don't need that, right? Yeah, I don't get caught up in that shit, right? Whatever, whatever you want to call it, call it whatever boats your float, right, Greg? Yeah, no doubt about it. And there you have it. From March the 4th of 2014, Dr. Barbecue Ray Lampy and great guest Michael O'Donnell from Cave Tools. Hey, do me a favor. Head over to CrawfordsBBQ.com and check out their all-natural, gluten-free pit spritz. Until next time on the best moments of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less, I am your host, John Solberg, and I look forward to talking to you again soon.